On this week's episode of the We've Seen That Podcast, we watched The Big Short. And when I say we, it's Jimmer and I. He's back. I'm Anthony. And I'm Jim. Cut the music, and if you caught that in the intro, we are back, and by we, I mean Jim and I, giving Scott the week off since he managed to do one all by himself last week. Yeah, we figured what he a deserves trooper. a break, so it got <laughs> yeah. me out of my early retirement. That's right, that's right. Nope, we're glad to have you back, Jim. It just isn't the same without you, so um, yeah, welcome back, bud. Appreciate it, man. Good to see you. Um, you look busy as fuck, by the way. You have a shit ton of movies to talk about, so why don't we... Just kind of jump right in, and then we can talk about Book of Boba Fett after, if you want, okay. a little bit. Yeah, so we'll start with the one show I watched. I have officially completely caught up on Mandalorian. I watched absolutely all of it. I still think the show is overrated, but it is better than I gave it credit for. Okay, um, I'll take it. I still it. think a more apt title would be Star Wars Side Quest, the show. Um, yeah. I, I think the end of season two was way better than anything else in the first season first season kind of stunk and drug and multiple episodes did put me to sleep so i had to rewatch some of it um <laughs> yeah but i guess that's most of what i got to say about that without getting any any spoilers and related to boba fett things uh right so i have some rapid fire ratings i've tried to watch almost all of the uh best picture nominees for 2022 here and then just some other random movies so first we have king richard i gave a 7 out of 10 licorice pizza got an 8 out of 10 Nightmare Alley was a 7 out of 10. The Power of the Dog, which is a Netflix original that does not include a dog, 4 out of 10. Don't Look Up, also Netflix original, 7 out of 10. Coda, Apple TV original, is an 8 out of 10. Belfast is a 10 out of 10 and is my pick to win Best Picture. Wow. Uh, Lady Bird, I watched because I missed that episode with you guys, 7 out of 10. Quantum of Solace is a 6 out of 10. Fellowship of the Ring remains a 9 out of 10. (laughs) Dune is still a 9 out of 10. In the Heights is a 7. No Time to Die is an 8 out of 10. Really like the way they uh, sent off Daniel Craig at the end of it. I thought it was we, really poetic, yeah, we actually. Sh- we should we should talk about that movie, too, a little bit, because I, wa- I did watch that since you've been gone. Okay, so. we'll come back to that yeah. in just a second. Uh, v for Vendetta is a 9 out of 10. Huge DC movie, you know, really different from most of what they do. Rambo First yep. Blood, 7 out of 10. And lastly, Forrest Gump is a 9 out of 10. Wow. So you relatively liked a lot of the... Um, best picture movies i mean a seven's you know no slouch of a score that's yeah power of the dog was the only one where i really like hated it and i mean four out of ten it still had some decent things to it um bandit cumberbatch somehow pulls off like a southwestern accent as an american and it was actually convincing right and he's so british yeah it's it's wild (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so did you go see most of these in theaters too actually Everything other than Licorice Pizza was all at home, actually. Oh, King okay. Richard we got out of a red box, but everything else was streamed or rented. Nice. Belfast. So that movie did look like... It's so fucking good. It could dude. almost... Is it really? Well, that's good to hear, because you almost... I just get afraid of like, certain movies like... 
might just be too artsy or like critically like you know it's absolutely Oscar critics more, you know but, I mean there's no yeah. doubt about that but the story is really strong the black and white is not a detractor because of the way they spice that up a little bit at certain moments I think actually ends up working in an artistic sense so I give it some credit sure. for that whereas normally a modern movie being in black and white would be points off for me right right yeah god i'll have to check that one out it's nice that it's actually like a good movie then that like us normal guys can enjoy too yeah and when so. i say that one is streaming i actually had to buy it for 20 bucks so i 20 bucks so i own the digital copy now i don't believe you can rent it anywhere yet gotcha gotcha yeah so before we get into book of boba fett i just saw that you had watched no time to die also and we talked a little bit in the chat even with adam over our text but yeah i thought it was a fine send-off for daniel craig for sure and i'd I'd probably put it at like number three, I think I said, of my rankings for his movies. It was sitting at a six or seven for most of the movie, but when they got to the end, and spoilers here, when they actually had the balls to kill off James Bond at the end of it, I just, I couldn't believe it. I was so proud of MGM and so pleased with that, them actually giving an end to the character. Right, because you were just still like, even seeing it until the very end, I was like still waiting for some little like clue as to like, whether it's him like leaving a message with well another spoiler he has a daughter so that's also big news for james bond but i thought he'd leave them some sort of like token at least until the credits rolled and i was like holy shit they actually did it right and somehow you know adding the daughter randomly with no prior indication truly did add a depth to the character that i really really enjoyed um right lots of reference back to vesper who is a huge character for daniel craig's bond um the villain, on the whole, very weak motivation, not super understandable, and that's where it loses its points. Yeah, that's the that's the exact feeling I had just watching the movie. Like, and it it has nothing to do with like Rami Malek as being like a bad actor or anything. I just thought his yeah the writing for the character just didn't seem as like strong as previous Bond villains, right? Especially know. compared to even Blofeld in uh, Spectre, which was one of the weaker movies, I think. Yeah. Um, he was just better, you know, and the character is more recognizable too, seeing as he's a character who's been around in the Bond universe for quite a, quite a while. Right. I think the biggest thing I had coming out of this movie was that I need to go back and rewatch fucking Spectre because I didn't like they reference that movie so much and it obviously plays a huge role in this movie. And I've only seen it like one time. Yeah, I think. me too. I've only and watched I, it once. I just didn't hardly remember anything that happened. And I'm like, huh. Maybe if there's one thing that'll give Spectre some life is that after this movie, people probably have to go back and rewatch it. Sometimes maybe they can correct a prior movie with a sequel, you know? Yeah, right? Um, All right, so other than that, we're going to talk a little bit here about Book of Boba Fett, only because Scott and I weren't really able to because he really hasn't had the time to jump on that one yet, I don't think. I think he's watched, like, a few episodes, like, out of Like the first couple or something? Which... Which you could definitely skip probably the first three or four episodes of this show. Right. That's my opinion. That's my opinion, too. <laughs> Even though five, six, and seven, it's not like they were strong. Right. It's The biggest thing is, tough like, because, episode five, is yeah, Boba Fett ahead. even fucking in it? I don't honestly remember, because it's Mandalorian <laughs> season 3.0. Yes, exactly. He's in, like, the last second of the show. But, exactly, that's the unfortunate part, is, like, if they plan on continuing like boba fett's story like on his own it's just to me i think it's gonna be tough you know unless they come up with something you know super interesting but like the best parts of the his own show 
were when he like really wasn't even in it yeah <laughs> unfortunately yeah and the the best it's... part of the mandalorian season two or mandalorian overall in my opinion is when boba fett was in it i don't quite understand how they could screw him up so bad in his own show compared to having him be interesting and have stuff to do like legitimate stuff to do in mandalorian season two right right i don't know is it do you think it's because they kind of went away from him being really like this bounty hunter figure and more of like a altruistic like you know i mean he's still a crime lord yeah it's true but but he feels a responsibility towards most espa yeah, and the stuff with the sand people was was interesting, but I don't think we needed like you said or like we were talking about like four episodes on it, you know, right? Or at least most of it was all flashbacks. Too. And then so for them to pull a George weird. Lucas and kill all the sand people, anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just ridiculous. I don't know. It was it was okay. I don't think I ever really rated it. I'd probably give it like a six, maybe a seven on a good day. Yeah, or and something. I think it just lands cause... at a four personally. I think on the whole, yeah. it unfortunately was less than average and was a failure of a show. Yeah. Did you? So you much preferred Mando so far? Yeah. Somehow that that's the way it came out. <laughs> it was not my expectation. Nice. Well, I'm glad you finally got around to watching Mandalorian and you liked some of it at least yeah one big thing i want to say about both of them is quit fucking like plastering mark hamill's young face on someone else's body it is creepy (laughs) and it doesn't work and the voice being made by an algorithm apparently is what adam and i talked about it sounds so fucking dead and flat it's absolutely awful they need to stop it (laughs) i will say it looked better in the Boba Fett when he showed up in those couple episodes and these his little cameo in Mandalorian at least. But Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I think it looked best in um episode nine. Yeah, it's it is just it, it it can be distracting because it's just like they're really going for it. And I I respect the attempt, but like you said, a lot of the stuff can can be a little like distracting and weird looking. I would care really so much more it. about it if like the novelizations that they threw out with episodes seven, eight, and nine, Luke ends up getting married to a woman named Mara Jade and uh, has multiple children. Focus on one of those children coming back to train it. You can have a new character say Luke is dead or something. I mean, in a post Last Jedi where he's become one with the Force, you know, have, focus on a new character as opposed to trying to keep de aging him or CGIing him in because it doesn't work. Right, right. Yeah, it's just. It's unfortunate that they they almost think like that to keep bringing people back they have to like you know keep the like the main character of the Star Wars for like like you said you it would be interesting to like bring in some sort of new character that you don't have to like write a brand new character but like you said somebody that is in the lore or from the books or something and just like yeah I guess the only problem is if they want to keep the movies in canon they can't do that because in episodes seven and eight he was obviously not married and didn't have children. So True. that's difficult, I guess, to say go that route. But that is the route, in my opinion, they should have gone from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. We'll see. We'll see where they go from here. I'm not even sure when Mandalorian Season 3 comes out, but we've seen the first two episodes of it. Well, now Grogu's back, to Spoiler alert. So we'll see what their adventures uh, go from there. So. I'm super disappointed that Grogu came back. Like, really, really upset. That did suck, kind of. You know, it's almost like they just copped out and now they can just continue to sell like toys and stuff. That's the only reason but, he exists. You know, they can say whatever yeah. they want. He doesn't have a strong story. He never really mattered. 
you know. Right, and the only things we've seen, we got a glimpse of him surviving Order 66 somehow, but like... Which was the, the only interesting thing about him, too, you know? The yeah. fact that he actually was well, at the Jedi Temple. Right. So we'll see. I mean, I'm sure we'll find out more as we continue on, and I don't think his storyline with the Jedi is done yet either, in my opinion. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and I mean, there will be people who come after me for saying so, but like Star Wars, I want to see Jedi, you know? That's why I signed up for this franchise, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Um, Nonetheless. Big hype horn return. Um, Actually, a lot of interesting trailers, and... I'm pretty divisive on the second one, but we'll get to that, Jim. Why don't you leave yeah, us Yeah, we'll off start here? with the, we, uh, the Super Bowl dropped a trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. This is coming out on May 6th. Let's talk the big one right away. There's a bald-headed man with Patrick Stewart's voice. <laughs> so, I mean... I can't contain I how think, hyped I am about that. I know. Like I heard rumors a long time ago that he might show up, but the fact that I just... I don't know. Do we really think he's... I almost could see Marvel being like, you Trying know, to fucking fool it, us. using him, but he's not like playing Professor X. Like he's somebody or else. Or he's from but a I, parallel I've, universe, part of the multiverse. Right. Something just goofy. But I, who knows? I've read some of the, you know, plot the or not like, no, no leaks and stuff, but like theories on like who he's sitting there, that council of people. And I think Professor X is part of that at some point in the comics too. So it, it makes sense, but I guess the biggest thing is, like, if they're willing to drop that in just the trailer, like, what other what shit else is do they in have the movie, up their right? Yeah, <laughs> like, because they, they hid um, those two Spider-Men forever and went to the grave saying they weren't in it, but now they just give you Patrick Stewart, like, right off the bat, and you're just like, oh my god. <laughs> like Right, and to be frank, insane. how much more is there in this trailer? And I don't think, honestly, that much. We get to see, like, a parallel universe, like, evil Doctor Strange, it seems... Um, Wanda is obviously like, in it. We've known that for quite some time. Yeah, and a couple like different versions of her. Yet we see appears I don't know. maybe a Captain Marvel or rumor online, possibly Mephisto. But that rumor's been around Mephisto. since fucking Wandavision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. It it looked good. I mean, I'm hyped for it nonetheless because especially with Sam Raimi directing, it, I like his little you know stylistic because the Spider Man. You know, the original trilogy, and then obviously he's done a couple goofy horror movies that always turn out fun and good. So, we'll see. This this should be good. Yeah, I'm hoping to have I my just ass love... parked in a theater on May 6th. Yeah, I just absolutely love the route they're going. Because people were like, I mean, I was nervous. It's like, oh, the Avengers are done, which, spoiler alert for some hype filing down the thing. But it's like, what are you going to do from here while they're just totally just going Every all Every movie's going to be like... a team-up movie now, which I'm not 100% yeah. on board with. Sure. You know, because I think that the casts get too big. And, you know, they everyone complains about origin stories. But if you want to introduce new characters so you can form whatever the new Avengers is going to be, you need some origin stories so we know where these heroes come from, you know. And I don't think right. that's wrong. It's just a fact of telling a story. Yeah, because I've looked at their... Well, there's some... I guess, well, who knows? Maybe their origin stories will just be these TV shows now. Like, we're getting that Moon Knight coming out here soon. and Right. For which we should be seeing Kit Harington again as, is he the Black Knight or something? I forget from... Uh, 
Eternals. Yeah, the end of Eternals there. I didn't really know who that character was, so I'd have to, I'll probably have to go look in that. But yeah, so he, he'll he be back. So there's just a lot going on, and I'm, quite frankly, I, I'm still here for it. Yeah, I mean, somehow Marvel has built this universe that keeps us coming back. It's a fucking revolving door. It is. It's unbelievable. Next trailer we but, have is Rings of Power, which is the Amazon Prime Lord of the Rings show coming out September 2. You were not so hot on it. I had a very middle-of-the-road stance. I think it's fine. There's too yeah. much CGI compared to the uh, original trilogy, which were so practical in their effects. So I see that yeah. complaint, and I agree with it. But I think the story could still be interesting. I'm mostly concerned maybe that it appears that there was that child early on in the trailer, and I'm worried that there's going to be a child lead, and I think that's almost always a bad idea. Right, and I... I read some, you know, trailer reaction, read, watched some, and just people talking about the show, and it sounds like they've created a few new characters as well, or at least one. Um, Do we know if they're basing this on any source material? Because I know there is some prequel source material out there in terms of Tolkien's notes and or there's uh, the novel The Silmarillion, which I've never read, so I don't know much about it. Neither have I, but I think that's primarily when this is supposed to take place like with those characters. And I think they're like way, the way I understood is they're compacting like a lot of the stories into just like, you know, one for the show for like one season and uh, who knows what they'll do from here. But I guess I was just really excited when I saw the budget and I was like, Hmm, maybe they're trying to be like nice and practical. as practical yeah. as the Lord of the Rings was. And then I just like the first shot you get is like crazy CGI ice climbing with a knife. I'm just like, <sighs> so I don't know. I, at least now, if it if it's good, I'll be happy because it's my expectations have been lowered a little bit, so I can't really be too let down when it comes out. So I guess that's a good thing. Right? So who knows? Yeah. Last thing we have is the Jurassic World Dominion trailer. This comes out June 10. I still haven't seen the second one, so I don't know what the deal is, but it appears the dinosaurs are just roaming the world. Yeah, pretty much. The second one's not great. You didn't miss much, other than like the fact that yes at the end they kind of just like escape and get let out so and they have back ellie uh Stad- sadler alan grant who is a total fucking silver fox now Love um goldblum as well as chris mario pratt and bryce dallas howard <laughs> yeah see they're, they're just taking a page out of marvel's book and just bringing everybody back for one last show probably I mean, I can't imagine they'll make another one. Uh, they said this was the said. finale in the trailer, which I, I thought they had said they were going to do five of these, so maybe they cut it short after the second one sucked. Right. Yeah, it wasn't that good. And then they got big into, like, cloning. There's, like, a cloned human in the second one, too, so it's like... I love it. Who knows what they're going to do? Yeah. <laughs> they, they just can't help They're just going to put a like Terminator most... in this one. Chris Pratt's actually a Terminator comeback. I mean... That's probably how he'll have to be when he's got to, like, fight these dinosaurs or something, man. I don't know. Right. It's fucking crazy. Unreal. Um, so, I, I thought that was the most lackluster of the three trailers, even though we all love Jurassic Park, obviously, and this still hits yeah. nostalgia for us. It was just nothing special. Right. It was... It was, you know, they tried to bring back a couple of, like, the famous lines, like, nobody move a muscle when you're standing there and the T-Rex is walking by. But... Yeah, and Pratt and Alan Grant say it at the exact same time. <laughs> right. So I'm just kind of, yeah, I'm kind of eh on it. I'll see it. I'll be entertained by it, I'm sure, watching dinosaurs. I have but... no intention of seeing this <sighs> one in the theaters. My brother will buy it and I'll watch it then. 
There you go. <laughs> you probably won't miss anything. Right. Great. Next piece of hype. Kevin Feige, um, chief creative officer at the MCU, has confirmed that Endgame was the final quote-unquote Avengers movie. So, in essence, I think that just simply means a titling convention. They will continue to have team-up movies, as we kind of discussed. All these movies are becoming team-up movies. But they will move to a new team of sorts now. I don't know right. what that parallel team is in... um mcu but i'm sure there is a avenger quasi avengers group right so we, that must just mean that like oh so yeah there'll never be like a movie titled the avengers again i'm assuming right yeah but i i don't that, think we need to yeah. worry about them having huge event movies like that they'll have them still oh for sure because you're still they're still making thor movies you know like and hulk will probably just show up in like every movie now yeah because he's like from off now in space. on yeah exactly so who knows i'm okay with that and so far they this new wave of movies has been pretty good I i'd guess, say on the whole above average because what do we have we have no way home if you want to include wandavision the show eternals yep. and now multiverse of madness which we all i think think is going to be pretty darn good right it should be they've They've kind of just kept the wave rolling, man. Yeah, they've outdone themselves since like Endgame, it. you know, because there were certainly stinkers in the first original four phases. Yeah, for sure. Next thing we got... Be interesting oh, to, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Black Panther. That's all. We got Morbius coming out in, like, April here, too, which got pushed, so now it's out of the January-February crappy movie time, which I'm yep. not sure that means it's going to be good, but we will see. I've always had a soft spot for that movie ever since I've seen the first couple trailers. I think I'm holding out hope, but I also don't... I could see it being really bad at the same time. I could see it introducing Blade because they're intending to reboot Blade as well. So maybe maybe it could be good. That'd be sweet. Anyway, Stranger Things has been renewed for season five, which will be the final season. Season four is coming out this year and will be twice as long as prior seasons god i'm so then, i've been over stranger things for a few years now i just couldn't I, get into it in like season three they got it's like as stupid as this is gonna sound because it's the point but it's like they got like too big yeah like set pieces and everything got like too huge for me i don't know the first season was yeah people were like oh, it's just a nostalgia factor but i'm like yeah it's a fine but it's still i still enjoyed it I remember watching that first episode when that kid got taken. I'm like, this is fucking awesome. And then you like, you know, it's kind of a much smaller scale. They're just like finding out, oh, there's just this creepy, corrupt lab scientist and lab right in your backyard. And it's like, oh, that's all that stuff is just awesome. And now it just seems like it's too huge. You know, the Russians are involved in everything. It's like, I think part of it is this is no longer in Netflix's wheelhouse for what they do. Now they more like to do one or two seasons of a show or a movie or two in a series, and then they cancel it because it, once you get past that, it's not adding new subscribers to Netflix anymore. So they deal now in quantity over quality. Right. God, they just have so much shit coming out every year. Exactly. <laughs> every week. It's just nuts. Oh, well. Um, this one I'm sad about. Yeah, I'm well, sad I, about I, this I guess one too. Know. Last of yeah. Us, the show from HBO, has been pushed out of 2022. I did not see an explanation as to why. Maybe it's because Pedro Pascal is still busy doing Mandalorian shit, but right. it has been pushed, I would assume, into 2023. Yeah, and movies, you know, video games being made into movies or shows doesn't have a real great 
track record so this getting pushed back to usually doesn't mean but who knows maybe it's just like you said just some scheduling conflicts and not a huge deal right i'm still relatively hyped about the halo show coming to paramount plus like next month i think yeah that that'll be that'll be a test to see if yeah like these big um because this is last of us is for hbo correct Correct. yeah so we see if these one of these big streaming services can make like a you know the first like shot at a video game like television adaptation so we'll see yeah i'll I'll probably have to get paramount at some point. yeah the halo show comes out march 24 okay so not long at all right and we'll be talking about that too and before you know it all right well that is all of the hype that pretty much wraps up the hype horn we had a good solid stuff there from jim thank you uh yeah so we're gonna get into the movie here episode number 75 the big short Jim, why don't you tell the people where they can find this? It's currently available to rent at home on a bunch of platforms, or you can find your DVD, because this came out in, like, 2015. Um, Synopsis says, In 2006, 2007, a group of investors bet against the U.S. mortgage market. In their research, they discover how flawed and corrupt the market is. This is by Adam McKay, same guy who did Don't Look Up, and written by Charles Randolph, Adam McKay, and Michael Lewis. Or it's based upon the book by Michael Lewis. Perfect. Yeah, so basically sums it up. Um, you know, this is like a, it's a different style of movie. Um, Adam McKay is known for making like these kind of based on true events type things. Because um, he also did another movie not too long ago with uh, Christian Bale playing like... Um, Oh man, I can't even think of the name now. Drawing a blank. These like satirical movies. He did Oh Vice, um, and Christian Bale plays uh, Dick Cheney yeah, right. in that. So, and they're always pretty funny. The writing is great. Um, I guess one of the first things I want to talk about. I texted you this. Well, and Scott maybe too. But like, the performance from Christian Bale in this is like. He, he plays never... this like kooky doctorate of economics or finance or something and yeah just totally wild character he's he's like very shy and mellow but at the same time like he sits there and listens to heavy metal music like on full volume and just like screams every now and then like i don't he's know he's got this was... really manic presence about him right and he plays michael burry who's the guy that i guess credited with first realizing that the the housing market was going to collapse in 2008 and he basically took all of his financial um his firms wherever i guess you want to call it all their like funds pretty much and yeah, apparently 1.3 billion dollars which was all their bought cash in, bought into puts or whatever bet to bet on the housing market to collapse and it's it's funny because there's like certain scenes throughout this movie as the movie goes along where he's got like a big whiteboard and he just marks the for like how much money they have or how much they've lost since like he did that and it's like at one point they're down like 19 percent yeah but um, end profit at the end was like 2.3 billion i think on his 1.3 billion dollar right. investment they profited 2.3 yeah and i think yeah right he writes that right below and he was like 416 percent return Mm -hmm. or something like that it was it was crazy um terrifying uh in 2008 i was we were freshmen in high school i believe 14 years old so 
I really don't remember, like, I guess I should have paid attention more, because this was a huge fucking deal, like, Yeah, this portion of it, I feel like, didn't hit the news as much, you know, them shorting these mortgage-backed securities. So let's talk finance for one half second. So apparently, some guy in the 60s or 70s invented what's called a mortgage-backed security bond. So it's a bond that pays out interest to you. Most bonds, like uh, treasury bonds and whatnot, pay out at piddly shit, like 1%, 2 3%. 3% probably beyond high. Um, but these mortgage-backed securities, when people pay their mortgage, they would get interest in, which at the time could be 15 16 17%, and that's what was paying out the bondholders, right? And so if the mortgages backing that bond went delinquent or the mortgage failed and people went default, obviously nothing was going to pay the interest, which would lead to the bond being in default itself and not being able to pay out interest to the people who own it. So it's weird because I don't think that these guys predicted that the housing market was going to fail. They predicted that these bonds were going to fail because Michael Burry looked at all the thousands and thousands of bonds backing these or mortgages backing these bonds and determined that they were anywhere between 60 to 90 days delinquent, which means you're two to three months past due and you got to make two to three payments just to be current and predicted that the bonds were going to fail and that when that happened, housing prices were going to get fucked and whatnot so maybe they did predict that the housing market would fail um but very indirectly in my mind i guess and maybe they're smarter than i am which i'm sure they are well that's why i was like i'm glad that you were here for this at least and scott would have been offered a great perspective on it too because obviously this is kind of um indirectly what you guys deal with but um yeah no it's it's insane like i don't even remember like my parents talking about it too much like not not the guys making the money but the actual like economic crisis itself like of course when i'm in high school or late middle school i'm just like i don't give a shit about money or you know anything at the time and i'm just you know probably expecting my parents to give me 20 bucks for food after my football game or something you know it's like this shit was serious and it's yeah people it's funny watching it thousands hundreds of thousands in retirement savings you know if you had any money invested in the stock market when something like this happens and an investment fails it ripples throughout the entire market which obviously caused the great recession in 08 um so what they did once they realized these bonds were going to fail is they decided to short them this is what le chief did in uh casino royale when you short something you borrow shares or bonds from a broker so they give them to you for free you sell them in the open market right now for, say, $100 a piece. So you sell five bonds for $500. And then the goal is, in six months' time, you need to give them back the borrowed bonds. So the goal is that in six months when you buy them back, that the price has gone down to, say, $50 a piece. So now you only got to buy them back for $250, so you've profited $250, and then give them back to right. the person who lent them to you. It's a wildly risky strategy, and... You're betting against the market, which is exactly what they did, you know, because you're hoping something will go down. Yeah. And I and I thought that was like a interesting like quote that they um, Brad Pitt's character, Ben Rickard, who was a guy that helped these two kids. I love those two guys. They just run like a investment. Yeah, it's like Brownfeld out of Colorado. Yeah. And they're like running it out of that dude's mom's garage or something. And. That was that was insane too. They started with what like a hundred thousand dollars and got like thirty million. Yeah, within like three years, which is that's pretty insane crazy. Growth. Um, yeah, but 
um, Brad Pitt, I was going to say, Ben Rickard, uh, he basically scolds those two as they're like leaving because they've kind of successfully dumped their their shares or whatever to to basically make their huge return and he's just like you're cheering for the housing market to collapse yeah, and people like, are losing jobs losing homes when you win on this people are going right. under financially yeah and that's just that's like you were explaining it i mean that's just a crazy way of looking at it too it's like you're making millions while everyone else is losing like everything yeah their pensions you know, have disappeared they don't have jobs you know right everything's right. over it was crazy it's insane i just one other thing i like kind of want to talk about too is adam mckay's style here do you are you a fan of like the little cut-in explanation stuff i think it works in a movie like this in particular i thought it was okay like i like the explanation in plain terms i think getting selena gomez or margot robbie sitting in her jacuzzi bubble bath <laughs> i think that is fucking dumb and that's why i kind of yeah. hated it in this movie um right. i think nine times out of ten i want to watch this movie as a legit documentary because these brownfeld guys from colorado that you're talking about they read a prospectus in a lobby of jp morgan chase's bank you know trying to get right. them to allow them to make this deal or something but they cut away break the fourth wall right in that scene and the two brownfeld guys say this isn't how we found this perspective i read about it in the paper he read about it somewhere else and the fact that they do that i think really hurts the credibility of this movie that is quote-unquote based on a true story right. so i really didn't like that i think they would well, have been better off just not saying that yeah it's almost like you know for why feel the need to just not like you could have had like a five minute scene where they you know where wherever they read it for real or i think they said to they one guy's cousin or something told him he was talking to him about it at one point and that found out but like yeah they say it you know this isn't really how it happened and then they you know tell you what happens like well why not just show it you know i don't know i guess right for and every time we purposes, talk about these movies we discuss the liberties they take like this was bad as bad as friday night lights <laughs> right <laughs> yeah you're just blatantly lying to everyone who actually knows the real story um yeah i don't know i guess that kind of stuff it's almost distracting yeah when you like cut away because there's certain scenes too with um ryan gosling's character jared bennett he like breaks the fourth wall and like explains something to you which i don't mind nearly as much as like you said when you like cut away like here's margot robbie in her bubble bath to explain this it's like Okay, like, I don't know. You're just showing that you can like get a hold of all the super famous people and just have them in your movie, right? Which know. right now that still holds up because Margot Robbie and Selena Gomez, the two that I specifically remember, still are really famous. In right. ten, fifteen years, that is going to age your movie ridiculously. Yeah, because some people might not even know who the hell they are at that point. Exactly, which is highly unlikely. But you know, kids, you know, someone growing up not born yet who watches this movie be like i don't even know who because in is. 2032 kids are not going to be thinking about the recession of 08 they're going to be thinking about the next one right exactly if you had to pick your favorite performance from this movie jim who would you give it to christian bale without doubt it, yeah, it was i think so too just this weird manic performance that i couldn't stop thinking about um and just yeah. blowing off his investors saying that he's not allowing withdrawals from his fund because things are too risky right now just a wild <laughs> fucking power move it is and he took a huge risk and i'm sure he he obviously caught a lot of shit like his partner came and was chewing his ass and it's just like 
that is the ultimate mic drop when he at the end when he writes that guy's that email and he like here's your 450 million dollars or something you're welcome you're you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) and then he pulls the ultimate power move too he basically holds up his contract with that investment company and says i get full autonomy to do what i want and the guy is like well we signed that with the intention that i would have controlling powers in the essence that you go fucking nuts and he's like but that's not what it says in the contract (laughs) <laughs> and at the time, you know, the guy probably definitely seemed pretty fucking nuts. And he, Christian Bale does a great job of portraying that. Um, it's a weird movie because there's not, like, a one lead. Because it jumps around between, like, the three different stories. Um, that leads to a I complaint think, of mine. The cast is way too big. Yeah, yeah. It gets tough to, like, you know, focus on, you know, one group of guys or... In this instance, if you're trying to follow Michael Burry and it jumps ahead to the other, you know, it's it's a lot going on. And that's why I think I liked his performance so much and not really someone like I thought Steve Carell was fine, but he was like he was like the complete opposite. He's like super loud character and high strung like and always just character. like, yeah, and he he's doing some weird, like annoying little accent the whole time, too. Yeah, he's just, trying to do like a know. weird New York accent. Yeah, he's wildly off-putting in this movie. I did think it was funny when they were at that conference and he stood up and asked those like three questions in a row, and then it took a phone call and left, and then it panned over to Ryan Gosling's character, and he's like, "Yeah, he actually did that at the that conference." That was the best of the those fourth call. wall breaks by far. <laughs> yeah, that was funny because the moment you see that in the movie, you're doubting it immediately. You know, and even though it's again the movie saying yes, he actually did that it lends much more credibility than when they cut away and say, no, this isn't how they actually found out about it. Wildly different results, in my opinion. The, se- the second one worked. The first one, absolutely not. Right, right. Yeah, I thought that was good. Um, I mean, for the most part, I thought this was a pretty good mo- It's super entertaining. Um, like you said, the cast is, he- there's a lot going on. I mean, you have Christian Bale, Ryan Gosling, and Brad Pitt in the same fucking movie is like... Yeah, the cast you know, is stacked. It- I wish we got more of Brad part, Pitt. Yeah, his see, his character was super interesting because he had quit, like basically banking and the stock market. To do market, like an alpaca they, farm or some shit, right? Yeah, they explain a little bit how he just kind of hated it eventually, but he jumps in and helps those two guys from Colorado. Uh, basically, he's their in to get to the table with all these big banks and stuff. Yeah, he and got them some them sort of a, a document called an ISDA, ISDA, which allows them to make bigger or more complicated trades, which the right. the reason they were at J.P. Morgan Chase is because they were trying to get J.P. Morgan Chase to give them that document. But J.P. Morgan Chase said they needed to manage more than $1.5 billion worth of assets <laughs> before um, they'd be allowed to get that document. And they came in only managing $30 million, so not even close, yeah. obviously. Right. And that's all the shit that I wouldn't even think about. But a movie like this, you know, done correctly, which for the most part, I think so. It like opened up my eyes to a lot of the behind the scenes of like what goes on and how people like where money goes and the certain trades that are made like and now being uh, somewhat of an investor myself, Jim, (laughs) on Robin Hood. (laughs) I know the pain of losing, like, even fucking 10%, I can't imagine. like. And Robin Hood is, like, corrupt like, as fuck, like, when they stopped allowing uh, trading on GameStop. 
I know, I know. GameStop, see, that was a big squeeze. Yeah. I knew that. Cause we that's know all the financial again. plays now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're experts. Um, no, it, it's, it's a fun movie. A lot of the stuff, like I said, it's a lot funnier than, like, it should be, which I, for some reason I think is why I enjoy it. Like, a movie about stocks and money and, like, the housing market collapsing shouldn't really be fun, but... It, but for the most part, I think Adam McKay does a good job at, like, making it I think fun. they cut so in I enough with depressing kind of anecdotes about people who were losing their homes and shit. Like, Steve Carell's team goes to uh, knock oh, on homes bad, in yeah. Florida. They find a guy and they say, we're looking for so-and-so. He's like, that's my landlord. And they say, he's three months behind on his mortgage. Did you know that? And the guy's like, am I going to lose this place because my landlord's not paying the mortgage? Because I've been paying all my rent. Yeah. So it really illustrates how some people were losing homes through no fault of their own even you know right that part was i think that was one of the more important pieces that they put in the movie because like i said all the stuff i've been talking about how fun this is they really ground you with like how serious this was because yeah these people were paying their making their rent in a timely manner and still were going to end up losing their home because the landlord didn't pay the mortgage like yeah and then in fort lauderdale fort lauderdale i think steve krell goes to see a stripper who has five homes and a condo and has multiple (laughs) mortgages on each of them See, that's just her being dumb then. But they, you know, they're giving, they're getting screaming deals. But apparently, that's what I people mean, were doing, and that's part of the problem. Right, because they were, yeah, everything was they were make you know allowed for that to happen, and then yeah, no one was getting denied just, a mortgage, which is hurtful in its own way when you try and save and then can't get a mortgage. But also, it protects the bank, which no one wants to protect a bank, right? No one wants to protect the bad yeah. guy, but. If they're going to loan you money, they should get that money back. You know, if I lend you $1,000, I expect $1,000 back. You know, that's right. not unfair right. or evil in any way. No, it's that's why it's a signed upon agreement. So, but it's also true where you can tell that a lot of these people were being taken advantage of. Like, clearly, that scene where they talk to those two bankers. Um, yeah, the mortgage writers, and they're like, yeah, we target immigrants. They don't even yeah. know what they're signing. <laughs> you know, it was just. Right. Because they just get some sort of kickback or commission on it, and then once the deal's done, you know they don't. They could give two fucks if that person ever makes their payment. You well, know? they made an it's interesting like, statement too that by the end of the week after they've signed a mortgage for those people, a bigger bank has bought it who can assume the risk for whether or not those people will pay it back. Right. You know, and it's that's still so, true. You know, you sign with a local man LLC mortgage company, and then it's sold to fucking Chase or Bank of America within a couple of weeks of you owning your home. Yeah, right. That's that's the kind of stuff. Like I said, I I wouldn't know anything about. But thank God they made this movie. Um, yeah, it's it is sad a lot of that stuff. But I don't know. I it's crazy that the last two years or something, and we we never got that bad. I don't think. But we've kind of gone up and down through our own little. Obviously, with COVID. Um, yeah, doing its month, own havoc month. on the economy. Yeah, and now being like, like I said, of age, proper age to like really pay attention or even have my own money in the market now, it's like it's scary to think about that something like that could happen. And it's like Jesus. Yeah, you never Christ. put in more than you want to lose, you know, because it's always yeah. a gamble every single time. For sure, for sure. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to touch on before we get to I think scores? Here? Really, last passing comment: the movie is over long, sure. two hours and ten minutes for a complex topic. With only two or three cut-ins to like really explain it in lay people's terms, I think alienates a lot of the audience. 
you know, you, Scott, and I have right. a little bit of knowledge about this, so we can watch this, maybe even without the cut-ins, and understand what's happening. But I would say Joe Blow off the street, who just knows that he lost his job or pension in 08, is not going to be like, oh, this movie's a revelation as to why these guys got to profit billions and I, you know, lost my home. Right, right. That is a good point. I wonder, I wish I could go back or, like, see how much, if at all, that these guys made the news you know on like people profiting like the stories about people profiting on it rather than just all the doom and gloom which deservedly so was probably coming out at that time yeah and i mean this movie did not come out terribly long after the great recession in 2015 arguably we were still kind of in the tail end of it you know which is only seven years after the 08 crash you know i mean right it almost feels like the movie was made in bad taste which is maybe the most upsetting thing to me because yeah. they make light of it to quite a bit. Right. That's true. That's a good way of putting it. Like, yeah, I could see some people just watching this and just absolutely... Like, here I am saying, well, because he's, an, he's an actor. It's not the actual guy. But, like, I'm gloating over Christian Bale's performance of this guy. But I'm certain there's probably a ton of people that fucking hate this guy. Because while you were losing your house, he was banking on that happening and just made a shit ton of money on it. Right. The way I get to sleep over that one is is because if I was offered the opportunity to invest $1.3 to get back over four, right, when you net it all together, there's no way I would hesitate. I'd do it immediately. No, anyone would do it 100 out of 100 times, you know, if with that kind of money. So it's, it's just a, yeah, it's an interesting topic and it's funny funny it's cool to watch it now with this perspective versus when even when it came out in like 2015 i think i saw it right away and maybe only one or two times since if that so this was kind of it was like refreshing to catch back up on such a like interesting topic yeah this was my first watch after it got all kinds of critical acclaim and both you and adam have both hyped it up quite a bit you know not wrongly i don't think but um it was nominated for a whole bunch of shit. Best picture, best performance by an act, supporting actor for Christian Bale, best achievement in directing, achievement in film editing, and then best writing, it actually won. But someone okay. needs to talk to Adam McKay about using shaky cam in a fucking finance movie. <laughs> Didn't like that uh, artistic choice, did you? I don't think it's an artistic choice. I think it was a bad choice. <laughs> but anyway, do you want to score it? Oh, I love it. Yeah, I'll uh I can go first. I gave this movie um an 8 out of 10. I I really enjoyed it. Um just cuz like I said it's it's stuff that I find interesting especially now. So it's it's cool to kind of get a little behind the scenes look at that and I thought Adam McKay made like we said a kind of a gloomy whether or not you think it should be an upbeat fun movie, but at least a topic that could be like boring or may not hold attention that well i thought he did a pretty good job of putting that onto screen and that, and it helps when you have like four a-listers absolutely when know, you have such in it. astounding <laughs> actors you know it's gonna be yeah, pretty good exactly i came in just a little bit lower at a six i still enjoyed this movie mostly from an interest you know in the topic and industry sort of situation but i think that there were enough things that i had to knock a few points off where i'm like there could have been things done better here And I still stand by the statement, I would watch this as a documentary nine times out of ten. I don't necessarily feel the need to watch this again anytime soon. Yeah, for sure. Like, 
now I just want like a freaking two hour documentary on just those guys t- taking a hundred thousand dollars to 30 million in three years or whatever I would watch the shit out of that I would <laughs> those too. two that'd be awesome um awesome well I know Scott loves this movie too I don't have a score from him so maybe we'll hear from him next week or something we'll throw it in there but um yeah that kind of wraps up so next week Jim and I uh decided we are going to watch the movie Event Horizon from 1997 starring Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne I've never seen this movie but I've been meaning to get around to it forever so I'm glad I now am on a podcast that makes me watch movies so I have to watch it yeah this is currently streaming on HBO for those of you who want to watch it with us um seems to be this weird intersection of sci-fi and horror which obviously piques both of our interests quite a bit so i'm excited i've never seen it before so but i've heard a lot about it right it's kind of gained like this cult following so i'm excited it doesn't have the greatest critic reviews which is uh, i don't give a shit what the sci-fi and horror no surprise yeah exactly and who wouldn't want to see sam neill and Lawrence fishburne in space with like potentially monsters or something i like i said i have no idea my cousin just said this movie was like one of the scariest movies he's ever seen when it came out (laughs) i'm like why have i not watched it yet so perfect that's gonna be fun next week um awesome well jim where can the good people reach us as always you can follow us on twitter at weave underscore scene underscore that like us on facebook or email us at scene that podcast at gmail.com that's s-c-e-n-e that podcast at gmail.com perfect well it was great to have you back jim so glad to be back thank you for doing yeah thank you for doing this with me um thank you all for listening uh to the 75th episode the big short catch us next week for the event horizon i'm anthony and i'm jim and roll credits